You know what you and I, you know, I always talk about how you and I, we've been friends for many, many years. Many uh, decades. Oh, 40. Yeah. And you know what we have that I, maybe a lot of people have it, but what we have is we have our core group of friends that we still have from when we were growing up. We're yeah. still all, you know, in touch. We hang out. Yeah. We all talk. And I think that's that's like it. it's a rare. I don't know. Is it rare? Do you think a lot of people still are in touch with people that they grew up with? I, I I do think it is somewhat rare. I think it, and it might be a, a, just a, a result of the times we were in because there's us and the class before us yeah. and after us. But I wasn't even in your class. I was I a year yeah. below. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and I consider myself lucky because I hung out with you guys. But then when you all graduated, I was, I basically had to go reintroduce myself <laughs> to my class. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. But we had a, we had a great, I mean, it was all like, like I like to compare it to like a tv series like our friendships you know because it started off it was me you we had not that anybody will know we had sheila amy fernando ed tim you know all these people and then special guest stars kept you know showing up and by the end we had this huge core group of friends you know trev mark everybody was yep it was fun and then some of their brothers sisters would pop in and out it was yeah and you become friends with the parents and and we're still friends with a lot of their parents to this day yes you know yes we are it's it's just uh you know i think about that a lot and that's uh I don't know. It's it, to me, you know, friendships are important now, but there's nothing like that. You know, the friendships you had in your formative years. You know what right. I mean? You know. And that, you know what I think's different too hmm. is that we didn't. We worked to stay in touch. We didn't have the Facebook like, no, no. I like your post or thoughts and prayers or positive vibes, vibes. all that bullshit that goes on now. Mm -hmm. So I think I I feel bad for the younger generation because their friends, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we had to work at it. Yeah. We had had to work at it. We had to call. Letters, drive places. Call. Why call? You know, making a visit wasn't just like texting, like, I'll be there in five minutes. It's like. And you uh, hadn't left the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah, you have to like, you know, you have to work at yeah, it. And I just think today you don't work at it as much. No, and, and sometimes it's like, like to me, I can't stand on Facebook like doing a quick posts. Like if you know somebody, you just want to recognize them a quick happy birthday. But mm-hmm. like I've seen friends that are supposed to be close, and it's like, oh, happy birthday, oh. XOXO. What or, are you kidding? Dude, yeah, like, sometimes they just go as far as HBD. I mean, yeah, nothing <laughs> says I like you, but not Sounds that contagious. much. <laughs> Yeah, HBD. <laughs> HBD. Yeah, it's like, just be genuine. If you really care, just send a quick, like, I, there are some of my friends that will do that, but then other of my friends, literally, if they don't have time to call, like, there's one friend in particular in New York, he just, he never forgets my birthday, and mm-hmm. he always sends a personalized note. It's like, or, or like another friend of mine in New York, you know, recently lost his dog that they, that he's had for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's like, instead of just going on Facebook and responding to the photo going, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I just reached out to him. I said, hey, man, I, I know how. You called him? Yeah. <gasps> it's like, I know this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know how this must be affecting you. And, yeah. you know, it was just a quick and, you know, it was a one minute, two minute convo. That's it. People, right. you know, I understand people don't have time to talk anymore. But, no. you know, it's one of those things. You're where, lucky they picked up. I know. It's like sometimes they'll answer yeah, and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like just, you know, just call people. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. That's reach out and touch someone. That was the jingle back in the day. Uh, yeah. The, reach it, out. Reach out and touch someone. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. your name in uh, vaca- European vacation? Remember? Uh, Reach out, yeah. reach out and touch someone. Yeah, the daughter. Anyway, the, yeah, I forget her name. Anyway, who do you got today? Who do we have today? Yeah, we. I, I am. I've been looking forward to this one. We Me too. have comedian, speaker, writer, actress, founder of Wedding Chapel to Go, <laughs> the only. And thank God, there's just one. Yes, Vicky Barbalak. <laughs> Vicky, thank you for being here. George Todd, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's so great to to see you guys. I'm honored to be on the show. Oh my gosh! Thinking Thanks. about old friends who I don't talk to from grade school anymore. Okay, none of them. Nothing. <laughs> none. Zero. None. Not one. Do you talk not to anybody in the trailer park? Ever called me? Do you talk to the trailer park people? Yeah, I well, not only the people in the upper half. Oh, oh really? We, we yeah, we used to live down in what I refer to as the ghetto. <laughs> oh, you moved up. Down, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And once you come up to the top of the hill here, mm. it's very difficult because then you run into people that live down there. Yeah. 
you know, oh. and you don't know if you should speak to them or just sort of nod. So I just yeah. kind of adopted <laughs> a queenly wave. You Are know? you allowed to invite people from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill, or is that there, is there you like know, there's kind of nothing a in writing, George? There's nothing in writing. Do you know what I mean? But they, they call it they call it polite society for a reason. Yeah. So I can't really go into it right now in case some of them listen. But let me just say, you know, once you once you once you leave what was behind behind. And uh, I'm talking about everyone in the lower part of this yeah, trailer who park. Needs them? You exactly. Right. And you know, you might yeah. as well be real. Right. Okay. You're upper crust so. now. Kidding? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I don't want to brag. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you already did. That's fine. <laughs> I love it. Um, There's one trailer in this trailer park. Yeah. I, I just went on a walk this morning and we have this fake lake in the middle. It's actually a drainage ditch. But it's, it's been here since 1967. So it's like looks like a kind of a fake lake. But the people that live on it, they are they're way more hoity toity than those of us up here in the colonies, which is what I call the hill. Yeah. But um, down there, there is one trailer right over the look in the lake. It's so beautiful. I call it the Taj Ma trailer. <laughs> And, nice. and so the guy who lives there today, he came out, was taking his trash out. We walked by him and I go, hey, he hates me, by the way. I go, because one time I walked up to him after they bought it and they go, I call this place the Taj for trailer. You're so lucky. And they looked at me like I was so weird and they never talked to me ever, that, yeah. ever since. And so this morning I go, hey, if this is a Taj for trailer, that makes you the sultan of trash. And we were walking by. He just just growled at me. He's gonna he's gonna get some dogs. He's gonna sick them after you next time. Be able yeah. to walk there. I'm not even gonna be allowed near the ditch pretty soon. It's gonna get a gun. Yeah, right. That's the end of your lakefront property yeah. walks. Right. No nice dreams, job, no more <laughs> No more romantic walks down by the ditch. Yeah. No, yeah. The drainage ditch. <laughs> um well I wanna get more into this, but before we even get to when you started comedy, because I know you started comedy at around thirty eight and we can talk about yeah. that. What was going on before that? So before comedy, before you were Vicky Barbalock yeah. as we know you today, I, I'd love to just get a little, and I know our listeners would too, probably a little history of like a little bit of that journey to when you got to 38 and you saw that ad for a stand-up comedy class and you went. So let's go before that and then we'll- And, and I then, love that ad story. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Like so let's, the, let's build up, let's to, build the up ad, to it. Let's yeah. build up to the ad story and then I really want to get into that because I think that's a that's one of those pivot moments or tipping points or whatever fuck book you're reading at the time. It's one of those things where I think it'll be great for, for the listeners that's to, funny to that, hear that. You know, that's what, what I'm doing is um, my editor book deadline is March 5th. So um, I've been just just writing constantly with my writing partner and, you know, that just coming back to all those places, all those memories. But and hearing you guys talk about old friends, you know, because, I, I, you know, I, I when I go, you know, to to like I see towns like Rochester, yeah. Erie, where I've been and like places where, you know, people grew up and, you know, I grew up in a million different cities uh, all over California. We moved all the time when I was a kid. So. I had a, a few friends when I was little, but once I was 12, we just started bouncing. I went to three different high schools, never had, you know, those kind of, I hear you guys talking about those friendships and I see that. I was like, oh, I crave that. And that's what I've loved about comedy in the last 20 years, making some seriously good friends in in the world of comedy. Right. But, you know, I feel like I got what I missed in, in, in my childhood. But so I moved around a lot and my parents opened a carpet store when I was 19. Oh, wow. So, because my dad used to run other people's carpet stores, and my dad would just move every year. They go, oh, "We got a new store. We move." <laughs> like, like he was a fucking diplomat, you know. He could have just stayed. Yeah. He's just fucking managing a carpet store. So anyway, we kept having to move. So when I was nineteen, he opened his own carpet store in Oceanside, and so I worked there for twenty years at my parents' carpet store, and. Mm -hmm. It was a kind of my parents uh, hated each other. They had to build a wall between their desks because they threw like uh, staplers. So they literally had to build a five foot wall between their desks because yeah. one day my mom took my dad's part of his eye out with a cove base sample. <laughs> so it was and it was next to a liquor store. And then my parents oh. would start drinking at the end of every day. And then they would just go to sleep on the soft carpet rolls and people would come in in the morning. <laughs> they didn't lock the door. Are you open? Yeah. So that was like, that's exactly what this nutty, it was on the days before Yelp when you could treat customers like you wanted to. Right. You know? yeah. so it was, it was 20 years, 20 years of just insanity. And, uh, and so, 
I, I, then that there was that day, you know, when I was a bit of fat kid and I always made jokes and, and the only time people I, were nice to me was when I was making them laugh. And so I used humor all the time as a tool. And uh, so I was in the bathroom one day and I, and, and that uh, I saw an ad sticking out of the trash can and it said stand up comedy. And I pulled it out and, and it was like a little Mae West drawing of Mae West. And I love Mae West. And, and yeah. it said, uh, Sandy Shore, Polly Shore's sister teaches comedy at the comedy store in La Jolla. And I just, I thought that, I don't know, maybe I think I should do this. And, and I, and the weirdest thing was, uh, I would, this is who I was then. I was so sure that when I walked into that class, everyone in there, they didn't know me. And I know this is so weird, but right when I was leaving for the class, the first class, I'm getting my keys and I had this weird idea. And I mean, weird, uh, but it must not have been that uncommon to me back then that I would grab three large books. And I, if I would walk into that class with three large books, I mean, they would see that I was a frumpy middle-aged loser who always married the wrong guy and lived in and worked in a shitty carpet store and had a terrible, they would see I was fat and ugly, but they wouldn't know everything else about me. So I thought those three books would trick them into thinking I was interesting and, and intellectual. Right. Okay. And so that's that's who I was, you know, like a little over 20 years ago. And and that's why I'm so grateful for comedy, because literally I feel like like it, as much as a lifesaver saves a drowning person, that's who I was before I started comedy. I've written my life off. I thought I screwed it all up and I would never have my own happiness. I just look at my children and be happy through them, be happy yeah. through my brother. But I screwed up my life to the point of, you know, I messed it up. I didn't get a good life. And that's what I totally thought. So but, it was just uh, great. With, with, when you started that class, and I, you told me once um, when you were working with Sandy, she told you something that re really resonated with you. What was it? What did she tell you? Do you remember? Well, she told me a couple of things. Yeah. One of the things that she told me was that um, in the very beginning, she told me that she thought I had a special talent. And that was really yeah. big to me because it was like nobody ever said I was special. And then and then she said, um, well, it, if she said it, I've been looking back and kind of wondering if she or Argus told me but that it was really important to bomb in the beginning. Is that what you're referring to? Yep. And it, it, I yeah. think that's so important, especially in, in yep. any business stand up, just to have somebody give you that pat on the back and tell you that you have something special. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, that was just so the so, bomb in the beginning. So it's kind of yeah. like fail to get better. That right. Yeah. Especially Actually, in comedy, you have to, to uh, almost uh, to bomb. And I think Vicky, will, uh, sh she'll agree with me to bomb. <clears throat> you appreciate the, the success more, more so when you're moving along. And yeah. you learn from bombing. Right. If you Well, what I think it was, it was Argus Hamilton who actually came down and talked to one of our first classes. And he said, uh, I think it was actually him because I've been really re going back and through the book and getting specific. But he came and he said, uh, it's important to bomb. If you're not bombing, you're not risking. If you're not risking, you're not going to grow. So I, mm -hmm. I took that to major heart, you know, and I just started going out and we, we would go in bars with, you know, didn't have comedy shows because no one would put us on. We couldn't get on the Sunday night open mic at the comedy store because also the manager at the time, Fred, he was a genius comic, but he hated anyone who took a Sandy Shore comedy class. He thought you were the lamest idiot in the world. And I took it more than once. So he would barely speak to me. So I never got on any of the open mics at the comedy store. And there was that was pretty much it back then. So we made our own open mics at like bars that didn't have shows scheduled. We would just walk in with a microphone and, a, and an amp and ruin people's nights. <laughs> and that's, that's what we did. But but I did bomb. So I just bombed so well. And I did it. And I held on to it for so long. I really started liking it. And then my friends literally had a bombing intervention for me. And they said <laughs> enough. And I had to stop bombing. Yeah. Well, come on. Yeah, I mean, so what did that? So that's interesting. So what does stop I'm bombing? I'm not joking. Mean? Yeah. I, okay. You know. So they said. So stop bombing though didn't mean you weren't going to stop comedy though. What did stop bombing? No, they mean? just said. You know, it's it's. You don't need to bomb anymore. You got all you can get out of this right. this pony. Like you know, re, you re learn it. how to reframe so, it. Yep. So I get. I started thinking. You know, these guys are right, and they were. They they were my good friends that I took that first class with, and these four guys, and they're still my friends. And anyway, um. Yeah, so they they really did get me at a, a diner after a show one night at a bar, and they man, you got to stop this. You got to start trying to make people laugh. 
And so, and I really just, I'd done, and the thing was, once you had been bombing for a solid year, maybe it's, it's so much easier to do well because you, you just, you, you're so much more confident because you already know what's going to happen if it doesn't go well and you don't care as much. Right. So right. for me, it worked out really well. No, I, I was going to say, so after that intervention and thinking about it, and you're like, okay, I've done it for a year. What was the what would you consider like was there a breakout moment or did you just start did things just start turning around because you just were a little more focused and yeah there, there wasn't really a breakout moment but okay. then at that time then i just started you know making set lists you know and go and going ahead and you know doing the jokes that i knew were going to work and then honing those honing those honing those just like you're supposed to do and i was disciplined about that and then and then after fred didn't fred the manager didn't know that i'd been going around bars and i worked really hard and I'd gotten a good set. And uh, one night I was in the comedy store on a Sunday night and I always to bring baked goods every Sunday night (laughs) to the open mic. And uh, goods. Yeah. I brought baked goods. I baked on Sunday mornings for my kids. And then I brought the rest of the comedy store for all the doormen and everybody. Fred drank tequila. He didn't care about the baked goods. Like I could buy him off. So um, (laughs) anyway, I was there and Mitzi Shore walked in. I didn't even, really know who she was i kind of knew i knew who she was by then over i found out all about mitzi but i'd never seen her i didn't know what she looked like i didn't know i didn't know any of the process of comedy and she uh she, there was this hush and there's she came in and then uh, a few minutes later the bartender uh she came in with freddie soto comic from la and was driving her and freddie goes uh, what's her name and the guy goes vicky barbalak and i overhear this because i'm sitting at the bar anyway a few minutes later fred comes up he goes mitzi wants to see her set and i was not scheduled to be on that night and so I, and i wasn't scared i was just so happy i got to be on on a sunday night and i did not imagine i didn't know cindy which mitzi was showcasing i didn't even know mitzi was still developing people i didn't know anything yeah. so i wasn't afraid i and um Everybody else was like really eating it that night because they were all so terrified that Mitzi was in the room. So I, because I was so clueless, I went up there and just had a great set. And then when I was walking back down the the, the aisle to get out the door, Mitzi stopped me with her hand and she motioned me to sit down, you know, and she goes, sit down. And she goes, you're really funny. You're a paid regular. I'll go away. Huge. And then wow. she made me away. I go out in the lobby. Bobby Lee's out there. He started in San Diego a few years before me. He's always real nice to me. Bobby Lee's in the lobby. I go, Bobby Lee. Mitzi just said I'm a paid regular. What's a paid regular? I didn't even know what a paid regular was. And he goes, that, that's amazing. You, that's great, Vicky. You get to go to Hollywood. You get to go in the OR, the main room. You, you're, you're in. And I went out in that lob, alley and I just started screaming. And I, and I just knew at that moment that my old life was was different. So when did when did that happen? So you at 38 you yeah, saw this ad in, in the garbage how far in? You saw this yeah. ad in the garbage can, you pulled it out, you went to the comedy store La Jolla. Did the classes. It, it, oddly enough, it was only about um two and a half years later. That's, That's impressive, great. Vicky. That's great. Yeah, I was kind of a maniac about how hard I worked and I have always been like really like I, I just for me it's all about that's what's we're all experiencing COVID. Right. And you know it's like for me it's like you know, I've just gotten into the swing of COVID, you know, right? I, and I'm not ready for it to be over now, but I've just gotten into it. Yeah, I've just understood the, the sedentary life. I'm just now going, this is good. But, you know, because, you know, when you're learning how to do anything, you just have to do it all the time to get good. And then also, yeah, I just, I just loved it so much. I just wanted to do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so this happens, um, you become a regular and then what, what do you start building on that? And so you're, you're, you're doing your show every week and you're doing it in the different rooms. You're getting a lot. Of, what else came out of that? Would you say over the next? Well, then I started going into Hollywood and the first time I went into Hollywood, I went in the OR, this really, there's a room called in the Hollywood comedy store. That's like no other room in the world. It's called the original room. And it's, yeah. It's got this vibe in it. It's like an x-ray machine. And if you bullshit at all, you are just going to eat it. Okay. And, um, and it was my first time going up in the OR and uh, she was there. Mitzi was there. And I just, I just didn't pull it off. I just was like, I was tentative. It wasn't, I wasn't authentic. And and the audience didn't get it. I mean, there's a little couple of little teehees and, and I, Mitzi 
waved me over again and she just kind of shook her hands up and down and said, just go back to San Diego, keep working and shake it up. Cause she said, she didn't say shake it up. She literally couldn't have any words for me. She just moved her arms around. Like I should just shake it up. And then she said, and then you come back to Hollywood. And so I went back to San Diego and, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, I got a call that I was supposed to work the door at the La Jolla comedy store, because that's one of the things Mitzi wants people to do. She wants you to work in the club to save money. But mostly I think she wants you to be in the room every night and see comics. Smart. So, yeah. So I did that for five shifts. I was the door girl handling the uh, money, the reservations. And uh, after five shifts, she told Fred that she had my, my shifts look like a chicken scratch. I mean, I couldn't keep anything straight. My mind does not work in a straight line. And she told Fred that I was the most stupid person that ever worked there. And I was fired. So then I'm fired from the comedy store job and I ate it at the original room. So I was like, shit, I blew it before I even started. And then about a month later, I got a call from the Hollywood store and it said uh, the guy goes, Mitzi wants you to come up Saturday and uh, take her to, and have lunch with her. And then you have a 1030 spot in the OR. Wow. And I was like out of nowhere when I thought I was gone. Yeah. Right. I got that call. And so then I went up to Hollywood. I went to Beverly Hills and uh, drove up to her house. And I didn't know. I mean, I'm, I was like, I'm going to have lunch with Mitzi. <laughs> and uh, it was just an incredible. We I went into her house, which was Dorothy Lamore's old house. It's an incredible, cool. beautiful mansion. And uh, and then uh, we had this great long lunch for two hours at Hamburger Hamlet. And she told me about being a mom and, and the, some how she got the comedy store away from Sammy. And mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, my God. And then we go back to her house. She goes, I can't go upstairs and take a nap. And then she goes, it's the first door on the right. I go upstairs. The hallway goes like three different ways. I didn't know which door i was which room so i i didn't want to disturb the wrong bed so i just laid on the on the ceramic tile ground <laughs> i went to sleep and then i uh, went back downstairs and and uh i had made her a dump cake it's like an old iowa thing and i made her a dump cake and she was when i went downstairs she was going that's the best cake i ever had i go i'll give you the recipe she goes don't bother i don't cook and 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 then she kind of waved me away and told me to go to the store and i and that that night at 10 30 i had a, like a great set and uh yeah and then from then on i was just constantly in hollywood and i thought you know me uh, um managers or agents that were they would come in to see other people and 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 I thought, well, they would. I had the best set. They would. They would definitely talk to me, but um, nobody did. And hmm. and I wasn't like aggressive. And I just, I just thought, oh, why would nobody would want a forty year old, forty three year old woman? You know, the Roseanne already exists. I guess um, that was the one. Yeah, I just didn't think. You know, I got some I negative why. reaction. Yeah, I yeah, understand yeah, so, why. Yeah, so it was. You know, so I, so then, um, then, I just just kept doing it and loving it. And, uh, and I got on, uh, the E true Hollywood stories of the comedy store. Oh, <laughs> they, um, that was great. So anyway, it. I got on the E true stories and they said I was the next breakout star. And, and then I thought, well, then I'll get management, but I didn't get anything out of that. And I didn't try hard. Like I'm not in Hollywood at agencies, knocking on doors. So that was like a big flaw in my career that I didn't, you know, I just wanted, I just, I just thought I'd get so good. I would, yeah. I would, you know, people would notice me, but the, there was, I didn't get the other business part. So that, that, and then I won funniest mom in America. And then because of that on Nick at night, I started getting a lot of private corporate jobs and that kind of got us out of extreme poverty. That's that we good were money. In. It was, you know, it was pretty good money for me. It wasn't like corporate like level, like, you know, oh, okay. yeah. but it was, it was more than, you know, you make a lot more money at fundraisers than you ever would working on the road. If you're not a TV celebrity mm -hmm. you know so we, we got through and it was fine hey vicky when did the the trailer nasty persona uh, yeah. uh, st uh start to form was that right around that uh, time you know I'm, i moved into the trailer right when i told my parents to start to, to sell the carpet store so it was oh. really early in my in my career that i moved into a trailer so but i think it was probably about five or six seven years into stand-up that i started really going 
trailer. And then um, in and, and trailer trash to me was like, they always go, she's trailer trash. No, I want, that was like, no, I wanted to be trailer elevate, elevate that. And yeah. I elevated it to trailer nasty mm-hmm. instead of trailer glamor or something. I right. went to nasty. So trailer nasty has been around for a while. And then, in the, you know, it just got stronger and stronger as, as, uh, as I kept doing it. And it is my whole work, my life, you know. Oh, it is. I mean, that was your, yeah. you were yeah. on the Trailer Nasty Tour the last time you were at Comedy at the Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. We, we call it, uh, we called it Trailer Palooza last <laughs> year, but that got canceled. But yeah, I think, and we're, and I'm working on a couple of projects right now with, um, for, you know, some trailer projects. So we'll see. So yeah. w- when, when you moved into the trailer, you, I mean, you, the, carpet store was sold you moved into the trailer you had two young girls how did the girls transition moving into a trailer when they had you know every you know a home and everything they could get at that yeah that's what i was really worried about and i my ex-husband john their dad Mm -hmm. he 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 was going through kind of a issues himself and he was getting a, a little little difficult and my daughter emily which was 12 or and she says you know we we need to get out of here mom because i've been living in the garage i'd had i made an apartment in my garage for three years because the marriage didn't work but i didn't want to split the family up anyway so emily at one point goes you know i think we got to get out of here and so we i went and i i bought this trailer for eleven thousand dollars it was 800 square feet one bathroom so i i said john oh you keep the house until the girls are 18 we'll split it and sell it then in case they want to entertain their friends, they'd still be able to bring their friends here. And he was working at UCSD. So, so he, we agreed that that least the girls would have a place to bring their friends if they were embarrassed, but it turned out right away, the girls love the trailer and, um, and all their That's friends great. wanted to have their birthday parties at the trailer. Oh <laughs> trailer is like, it was just kind of fun right away. It was yeah. really weird. And the guy we bought it from, he, he uh, answered the door in a long gown. He had long, long brown hair, beautiful long gown on, no makeup, just a little lipstick. And he, uh, Emily Put and I went in and, in the basket. <laughs> yeah, and he had guns everywhere, just guns, guns. everywhere, guns. So I was a little worried, like his friends might drop by in the first few months that we lived there, but it was, it was never a problem when we lived there for eight years and we, and we, and with one bathroom and three women. Wow. Yeah. That must've been difficult. Well, yeah, it was, it was like, we had a rule. If you were, if, if anyone was caught with mascara in the bathroom, they were yeah. shot, they were <laughs> shot on sight. So it was new. Not, it was no, just business only in there, ladies. Yeah, good rule to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, what a bonding moment to have with your daughters too. It's it's it. You know, I I feel like I feel like so many young people could benefit from something like that. Just to be just, in a trailer. Yeah, and you just know, just to have instantly a different... change. Right. You know, it's funny because all of their friends were, you know, their parents were very pretty. Most of their friends were, you know, really successful parents and they had whatever they wanted. And, you know, we had to immediately start, you know, I had no, uh, I had no safety net really. And, yeah. and uh, their father never paid any child support and we just barely kept making it. And, and, uh, and, and my girls learned immediately to, you know, shop in thrift stores and we would go to San Clemente, this fancy town and use their thrift stores. And <laughs> I used to get a lot of their clothes from the lost and found box at their school when they do the dump two times a year. Sure. And then Emily, Emily goes, you know, it's so embarrassing when people see me in their jacket. Could you go to another school? <laughs> So I learned to go to like Solana Beach, the nice towns on their dump days. And I would get really great clothes for the girls. Yeah. Yeah. These are tips that, you know, uh, people need to know about how to save money. But because of that, because my girls were like, you know, because they were like really, you know, they both became just incredibly hardworking, successful, both graduated college, both have, you know, my one daughter has three properties in Oceanside. They they live on nothing. You know, they, they make the most of their money. The other one's a, you know, got her master's, master's degree with no debt. She's a scientist. So, I mean, like, I, I recommend that everyone uh, stops helping their children. <laughs> right. No, well, Vicky, this is this is great, though. This is this is great for uh, for a lot of people out there because, you know, we we've gotten into this mode of, you know, the everybody gets the award and nobody's a loser. Mm-hmm. And being a loser or failing isn't a bad thing. It's a phase. You go through it. You feel that way. And I think it's healthy sometimes to feel that way and do that because then it propels you to do even more. And the other thing I love about this is your girls have a great sense. And again, I don't know them, so I'm making an assumption here, but it sounds like they have a great sense of how much is 
enough. Like there, I'm sorry, there is nobody in the world that needs eight or nine or 10 different houses. You can't possibly Mm -hmm. go to them every year, every other. I mean, you just don't need all that. Like, what is this? What ego drives people to be like, oh, I need, you know, the house here, the house there, the apartment here, the this here, the that, the, 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 you know, it's like just stop. And that all started in the eighties for us. So I, I, I think your daughters are much better off for that. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I absolutely agree. And it wasn't like, okay, I plan to not be successful in comedy. So my daughters would turn out good. <laughs> no. but, I mean, but I always do say, you know, there's this, you know, like, thank God I was a failure. They got free college. But, you know, when, when I was thinking about just when my daughter graduated from her undergrad at Cal State Monterey Bay, she was the um, president. She got the presidential award. So yeah. that was like, she got to do the the speech for the graduation. And in her speech, she said, you know, I always told my, and she went to a really, she got a scholarship. She played volleyball to go to this sickeningly fancy school in Del Mar where they were horrible. But anyway, she, she said in her speech, she said, you know, I, I lied to myself. I told myself I'm from a trailer. I'm a trailer park girl. And I used to lie to myself and say, I'm not capable and I'm not worthy. And she goes, you know, and I, I got to college and and I, I I was given a chance to succeed here and um I I can't lie anymore. I I did I was raised in a trailer park, but I'm I'm more than a trailer park girl. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a capable woman who can who can succeed. That's right. And and the, there wasn't a dry eye in the house and I hadn't thought about that speech until yesterday. I was just reflecting on it when I was in my bedroom because I remembered where we were when the when the when the guy called from the, the university to say that she was going to give that, be given that award. She was home for vacation. And it's just like, you know, that's why it's like, I know it's, it's there was long, many years and still t- sometimes I wonder, man, I put those girls through a lot. Like I just found out that Emily, I go, let me see your yearbook. I want to look at your yearbook for mm-hmm. research for the book. She goes, oh, mom, we couldn't afford a yearbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, you're right. I didn't yeah, but, buy your yearbook. Yeah, but you know what? again, it's, it's not about what you have or where you were raised. It's the attitude you bring with you. And if you have the attitude, you know, and and this is why it's like, I'm I'm starting to see bits of awakening around the country with certain people, Mm -hmm. but then you get on social media and it's like still this like cesspool of nonsense. But, but there are, there are some bright spots there where it's like, you know, just stop with the ego. Stop. It's not about what you have. It's who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and the attitude you bring with you. I don't care yeah. if you grew up in a trailer park or if you grew up on the streets of India and there's so many success stories because of the attitude that people have and I'm sure your daughters are really kind. They they're, are they're, yeah. they're really really kind. They 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 didn't have the easiest upbringing but at the same time they knew like hey, we can make do with what we have and we can still yeah. help other people. Right, and having fun is like when you, when if you put all your emphasis into into even like in the very beginning of after AGT was over and I was getting these gigantic paychecks and I was like, I started going, Oh my God, I think I want something. Oh, then I think I, then I want something else. And I want something else after that. And then I thought to myself, there was, this is like a, Oh, this is like a slide, man. I'm, I'm on the slide of want and I don't want to be there. Right. So we just turned it all off and, and thank God we didn't spend hardly anything. I remember I bought my grandsons a go kart. That was my big thing. After after that, we didn't spend. We just kept on living just like we've always lived. And thank God because you know then we I haven't been able to work in a year. Yeah. So it hasn't. We've been fine, and we can we can go for years now. Just it just because we didn't change, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and we haven't. And, we, and you touched on it, but we haven't gotten into it yet. Amer- I wanted to get into a little more on America. Well, yeah, Got I want to. We definitely got to get into that. Yeah, but go ahead, what, what we're learning here is, she taught her daughters that you don't give up, you work hard, and you believe in yourself, yep. and have the attitude that she has. And look what it got her. It got her a yeah. top. She was a top ten finalist on America's <laughs> Got Talent. That's right. And it's funny. I remember when I, I I talked to her about it, and she probably doesn't remember it. But when she was at the comedy at the Carlson, she said, "Oh yeah, I got so lucky." I'm like, "No, you didn't get lucky. That's Vicky. That's twenty years of hard work. That's right. That led to it. People just think you appear on that stage and you just started comedy that night. But that's twenty plus years, correct, of hard work that led to the opportunity. I think I got. I really got lucky the day Sharon Houston called me and asked me to 
audition for mm-hmm. the show and I told her, Sharon, you're insane. <laughs> Just you're crazy. You're are you crazy? Why are you calling me? Goodbye. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't say goodbye. I go, call Sean, call Betsy, call Cindy. You know, don't call me. They're not gonna put me on that show. You're and you're gonna look bad. I'm gonna make you look bad. I don't want you to lose that job. It's a great job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was happy she got a job producing for AGT. She called me up. I hadn't seen her for a while. And I go, you you don't, don't do this. And she's like, listen, they're British. I go, they're British. The producers are British. Yeah. And all of a sudden my heart skipped. I go, are you shitting me? Because British people usually love my humor. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, uh, okay. I'll audition. You know, I did not think I'd get on. Right. But- yeah. So that was, I feel like my big lucky break. And then the other thing was, I mean, I had been, I mean, I, I, I knew that I was good and I, because people laughed a lot when yeah. I was performing, <laughs> but, um, and I knew that Mitzi loved me and that that's all I cared about. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I, and I felt like I had, I had, like you say, I had the 20 years under my belt and I did. Mm-hmm. And so I was ready, but I just, I would never have gone and auditioned or called somebody to get me on that show ever that would have that just seemed insane did, did you feel nervous at all during the audition process at the very first audition it was in an airplane hangar in santa monica mm-hmm. and it was the one that you know that they, they you know they do actually pick people from those big auditions they really do and they see everybody but there's also this other one uh, goes around and it, you know it's a sort of like a, a professional scouts are looking and so uh, on that day, which was not the gigantic audition where thousands of people there, but I was in alone in an airplane hangar in Santa Monica and I was outside because Lou was uh, in uh, Austin. My husband, Lou, was in Austin helping uh, Latasha Najaro. He's playing piano on her special. Mm-hmm. So I, I was alone and he would normally have driven me on a day like that so I could relax on the way to L.A. But I drove to L.A. and and I got to the airplane hangar early and I was sitting outside in my car and and I just, I, I was like kind of a little bit panicking and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I wrote a list of all the, the people that had ever helped me along the way. And then I wrote another list of all the reasons why I, I should do well in this room right now. And then after I did that, I felt fine. And I walked in and uh, there was just two producers and a sound guy in the very back of this airplane hangar. And then I'm standing in the middle of alone in an airplane hangar and they go, OK, well, do your set. And I, I did it. And they go, oh, good, funny. Do you have any more? And I go, well, um, like I was told to prepare um, two and a half minutes. I put time in for laughs, but you're the shittiest audience I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Way to win them over. Yeah. Yeah. And they started cracking up and that was it. And then I found out really soon that I would be on it. And then the first night of the real uh, the judge cuts, that was uh, I was just terrified and before i went on stage my daughters are backstage with me and they're they don't they know that i haven't watched the show because we didn't have cable so um they were they, they were telling me that if i got buzzed i could get buzzed up to three times they go mom simon's probably gonna buzz you when you first get out so get something ready like let's come up with a little jokey joke so we came up with a little gesture that i would give for the buzz and so that's what we were preparing for the last few minutes before i went on how i was going to be buzzed off Wow. And uh, and then to have the first audition go so well. And Simon said I was the funniest comic they'd ever had on the show. And Howie said, you know, some great things. So that was like the for me, all of a sudden in that moment, I just felt like all those years of craving a yes, a big yes from Hollywood and to get it right there. It shocked me so much. And it made me I didn't know I wanted it so bad until I got it. Right. Validation. That's what it was. Yeah. That was nice validation. That's and you great. went up there and you, you killed. And like Steve Martin says, you go up and you be so good they can't ignore you. And that's that's exa- my that's my motto too. Oh, that yeah. is my I, motto. I, I, yeah, this, I don't know if you've read his book, but that's it's yeah. a famous quote of Steve Martin's, and it's was, it's so true. Yeah. You know, and that's God, it that sounds was, like that what was you when did. I read. That was when I read when I started, and you get so good they can't ignore you. Yep. And that's why I kind of wish I wouldn't have read that book. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He but, should have said, and you need to get representation. Really, right. That's Represent- very but after you're a top 10 finalist on America's Got Talent. Yeah. And you before that, you would get turned away from managers and yeah. uh, agents who would tell yeah. you you're too fat, you're too old, all that. Yep. Did they come yep. knocking or did you have to go find them? Actually, um, a couple of couple of them came knocking, but they weren't the ones I wanted. And mm. uh, I wanted, I wanted, I always dreamed of, uh, 
being at Gersh. And so my friend Jimmy Schubert, you guys know Jimmy Schubert? I know him very well. Right on. So I I called Jimmy and I, I don't know where. No, we were at the comedy store in the back room one night at the back bar. And it was uh, just towards the end of the AGT, toward the end. Okay. And I'd been working on my set. So I was in the back bar and Jimmy was there and he goes, who's your agent, Bob Black? And I go, uh, I don't have one yet, Jimmy. I want, uh, I want Gersh. I want, um, and he goes, that's who I'm with. Hold on. It's like 1030 at night. He gets up the phone. He calls, he calls them up and he goes, you got to get Vicky Bobalak in there. And, and I found out later that they thought he was in a car accident somewhere. It was 1030 at night on a Sunday what? night when they're blowing their face, blowing their phones up. Yeah. And so then they met with me like the next day and, uh, and they, and they took me on. So, and that's been, that's been great. Yeah. They're great. No, that's and, and now you got representation. So yeah. And then Simon got me these managers, uh, about a year ago, like about a year after AGT, maybe six, seven months, he got me um, these these incredible managers that they're they're uh, they're they manage musicians. They manage my my manager manages Paul McCartney and ACDC. Oh, how funny! Oh, ACDC, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man, that's great. I mean, he's, so anyway, yeah. So, but they and they're only comic, but um, <laughs> well, but they're like working a on diversity. it. Diversity, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're coming around, and they, and they got me the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club at Caesars. Yeah, uh, they got me that. That's awesome. And and, they, and now there some really cool things are breaking, and um could could and I'm just always been grateful. But yeah, it's really I was going to say, and and I'll tell you the way London, well, all of Great Britain, but London especially, the way they're vaccinating people there. I'll tell you, they might be ready first in the world to get going, and mm-hmm. since they love you, get God, get that over would there. Be so. What a great idea. I got vaccinated because my grandson, Timmy, has autism and I'm one of his caregivers. And I was taking him to therapy the other day. And the woman at um, social services said, oh, would you like a vaccination as a caregiver? I'm like, oh, are you shitting me? Here's my arm. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next day I got my shot. I'm like, oh, man, it's amazing. So, Vicky, George and I were talking before we even uh, had you on the air. We were talking about that finale when you did the bathing suit. Yeah. When the, you, you dropped the dress and you had the bathing suit on. The swimsuit competition. Right. Yeah. The swimsuit right. competition. That yeah. hilarious. I mean, now, tell me, did you pick up more of a fan base by doing that? Did more people, like, this is what I see. I could see the gay community, community oh. latching on to you at that point. Or did they already latch on to you? Well, you know what? This is what is absolutely true. My first paid job was at Flick's Gay Bar in San Diego. And, right. and really, honestly, there, I, my daughters and I will tell you that without the, the gay community, the jobs that I got in gay bars, gay weekends, yeah. there was so many times when that paid our tiny little monthly bills. So the yeah. gay communities, the work I've gotten from the gay community has been just like phenomenal. And the night that I went on stage in my bathing suit, and I talk about this, but it's not a joke. The night they went on stage in my bathing suit, I brought a lot of straight men over to the gay community. And I feel like I've paid the boys back yeah, with that. Yep. Sure did. Because a lot of guys saw that and they're going, no, no, no. not, not <laughs> what, another woman. What's no, this going no, I can't on? can't do here. it. Goddamn women. But, <laughs> so Howie Mandel said that you, uh, um, you deserve a sitcom. Yes. Yeah. Is that in the works? You know, I pitched really hard um, last season before COVID shut down and uh, and nobody took it. And we did go around to five or six really good companies. Nobody took it. And I feel like I really didn't know how to pitch. I, right. I should have had a showrunner with me. You know, you find out later what you sure. did wrong. And and uh, and, the, and that's OK. Uh, but now uh, now we're we are. Um, it's it the. That is continuing now. That's and great. So, great. Yeah. And the yeah, book, you can't you got, give up. You got to keep it going. No, yeah. she's got yeah. that and yeah. she's got a book. So things yeah. are, and did you do a lot of shows during the quarantine or during COVID? You Outdoors. know, I went to Florida and Texas because there's no COVID there. Mm. I, I was like a comedy whore. Yeah. And if you should, you should have seen what I look like on the plane. A flight attendant took my picture. <laughs> when a flight attendant takes your picture, you know yeah. you're bizarre. I wore um, the giant uh, World War One uh, Sop with Camel goggles that <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, I yeah. Nice. The welding goggles, huge, huge with the rubber sides. Yeah. D- double mass, you know, 
everything. And so that's how I looked when we flew. Yeah. And it was hilarious. But yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we did. I did some not, you know, like everyone else. But I I think I did more than anyone I know. And I, I took a lot of shade for it. And, you know, it's almost I had this friend. He's a gay guy in Las Vegas really beautiful older dude super wealthy i go over to his house and like uh, i mean it's dead animal city it's got beautiful dead animals everywhere i'm standing on a bear rug looking up at a lion's head in my face and i'm like david did you shoot all these and he's like no god no i could never ever kill an animal are you kidding (laughs) but since they were already dead yeah yeah and so I felt like that about my saying, yes, I would travel and do shows during quarantine. I go, look, somebody's going to take the job. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a comedy whore. And you I'm, are. No, not proud. Not proud. And you got the Wasn't gay community. I think you, you yep. won another gay fan yep. over here with you George. George is a gay man. So <laughs> right you won him over. So absolutely. Yeah. Also, um, it, it means the world when, to me because in, my, in high school, too, I mean, like when I went to three different high schools, all I did every time, the first thing I did was I found the gay kids and yeah. then I was fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're welcoming. We like to take care of everybody. And yeah. I mean, believe me, there's a darker side to it. I mean, I, you, you, you <laughs> would have a blast if you. All right. So, Vicky, if you haven't yet. Get on gays over covid on Instagram. Oh, how funny. It's called Gays Over COVID. And it's a group of gay guys that started calling out the gays that do all the poses like, wear a mask, wear a mask. (laughs) And then they're at some circuit party in like Puerto Vallarta or like South Beach. Oh, how funny. And some of these gays are like medical professionals like, wear a mask. We're tired. It's exhausting. And then they're like bumping whatever's at. Uh, down in Puerto Vallarta, no mask, crowds of people. It's like they're such jackasses. Yeah. So gaze over COVID on Instagram. They just that's that. great. They call them out. It's so great. And I think you could. Who knows? You may have a little fun I, with that. I'm yeah. gonna go there right away. Yeah. That's you fantastic. may have a little fun with that. So one last thing before we go, book. When is when do you imagine the book would be out? And uh, we should do a show around your book launch. Oh, that you know that I would love that. I want to. I'd love to do that. Okay. You know, I, I just, I, I just love Rochester. It's one of my favorite places. I want to do a I mean, tour we'd love to have you here live and we could probably tie it all in, but. Yeah. I think it, it by the time the book comes out though, I think uh, COVID, you know, but. Is I it think later be, this year or. Yeah, because. We're still in gonna, lockdown for comedy. Yeah, yeah I, I think just it's going to be around the fall that it, that'll, that'll come out. Hopefully right. we're open by then. We're still yeah. in New York state. You, you can't know, even make laughs. You guys, the. All this, the Johnson and Johnson is going to come out, and yeah. a bunch of others. And yeah. once the vaccines are out, it's going to be. Uh, I know there's all people with variants and stuff, but these these scientists are figuring out bumps to the variants yeah. and yeah. stuff. It'll be. It's, it's going to be, be a. Let's going to be. It's going to be a rough road, but we're we're, we're going to get, get there. there. Yep, yeah, we'll we there. are going right. to get there, and we're we're on our way. Yeah. And do you guys think it's going to be wild next year? Like, come on. Oh, for yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Vicky, Mark and I, Mark, who runs it, Mark Ippolito, who runs a club, we just think there's going to be a huge comedy boom. Like it, he, he's almost expecting like four to five nights a week once it starts because people are going to want to laugh and comics yeah. are going to want to work. You yeah. know, yeah. we're starving. So, yeah, not yes, starving exactly. for food, but starving to get on stage yeah. and make people laugh. Yeah, so. exactly. I just booked Vegas for Memorial Day. <laughs> nice. And- Good for you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited because, you know, I feel a lot of people have had in the six, everyone, everyone over 65 in California, this is vaccine heaven here in Southern California. I mean, especially San Diego County, we have so much vaccine that all of the people over 65 and, and, and you could just see the road from Vegas is already starting to get crowded. (laughs) So everybody in my, in my audience is going to be in a walker, but I don't give a shit. (laughs) What do you care? <laughs> Who care? And listen, ne- and next time we get together, speaking of Vegas, we got to talk about the wedding chapel to go and that you're an yeah. ordained minister. We'll oh, get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We we'll, got to get. Yeah. I want to get into that. We next just time scratched too. Us. This is like an introduction. We'll right. get her back. And I we'll want to I want to get more into that next time. Yeah. But um, Vicky, thanks so much for your time. We know. Thanks, uh, George. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, this Vicky, was, it was great so, to see you. Honestly, you do have a, a, a really big fan, a new fan. And I really appreciate you taking the time. You you seem wonderful. And uh, she I is. Love, uh, please. I yeah. love what I've watched yeah. so far. Your view on having kids, all that stuff. It, 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 um, yeah, it really makes me oh, laugh. Thanks. So. And, and you guys, I have a fun podcast with my girlfriend, Amber Rose called big girls. Don't cry. Okay. Oh, big girls. Don't and, cry. Okay. And, yeah. And then it's on all the podcast platforms. And then also, uh, all things comedy produced, uh, uh, 
a new podcast for my good friend Sean Pulaski and I. That's going to drop in three months called uh, Trailer Park Diaries. Oh, great. Okay. And and then, yeah, we just finished this. Well, yeah, we just finished it. And then, um, and then those two things are the things that I'd love people to look at. Big Girls Don't Cry right now. It's a lot of fun. Yep. And then soon, Trailer Park Diaries. And I have a Vicky Barbalak comedy website where I put everything on there. Yep. And uh, we'll we'll, we'll add that to our socials. Yeah, we'll Thanks, add that guys. to our we'll add that to the to uh, when we do the postings for the show. We'll add all that, especially the website. Yeah. I'm so, do you check think there's going to be any outside comedy at the Carlson this summer? We did that uh, last summer, and then uh, we were actually open for four weeks in June, and because yeah. the the county told us we could open, and then the governor said comedy is illegal, and it's I'm I'm, I'm not joking. It was literally yeah. listed on the liquor authority thing that right. no stand up comedy. And it's gotten to the point now where you can do just about everything except comedy and performing arts right now up here. So we're okay. feeling it's coming. Like I, yeah. I, I'm predicting like April-ish that we might be able to do something so we can get back inside okay. and do what we do best. So, Okay, guys. That's awesome. All it was right, really Vic. fun talking to you. I'll see you soon. Oh, my God. You look great. So it was good you to see great. you. Okay, We've thanks, been, yes. Thanks Bye-bye. so much, Vicky. Bye. Bye. That was um, Vicky Barbalak, comedian, speaker, founder of Wedding Chapel to Go. She's got a book coming out in fall. Yep. Trailer Park Diaries is coming out in three months. That's going to be great. podcast, Big Girls Don't Cry. Wow. Yep. A lot of hard work for, um, and persevering and just, you know, and look where, uh, look where she is now. Yeah. And I'll tell you, for a tough year, she's she's found ways to keep busy. And I like that she's like, look, I, I hit it big after, you know, the uh, America's Got Talent. Yeah. And yeah, I made some money. I spent some money. But she also decided to live. You know, she didn't want to live too differently than she did before. No, she just moved she up just the road moved. in the trailer park right. up to the upper crust. <laughs> I, I love it. She's just she's she's so humble. She's so real. Um, she you know, she raised a family. You know, she I, you just got to admire that. You got to yeah, admire no. that. And and you look at her kids and her kids are none the worse for wear. They're no, both successful. It sounds like they're very well adjusted. And, you know, yeah. And, and, and they're doing really well. And, and uh, I like that she discovered comedy at age 38. It is never, ever, ever too late. If you take anything from this discussion today, it is yeah, never no. too late. And even when you feel like it's the end, you can start a new beginning. I just, I love it. And she did. And she sure did. Yep. She is fantastic. All right. Say goodbye, George. Goodbye, George. <laughs> <laughs>